Well, we're now ready for our next presenter. And we are really delighted to have Michael Neuendorf with us. Michael is the founder of Bay Area Executive Coach. He is an executive coach himself, as well as a consultant and trainer. And he's also a faculty member of the Center for Executive Coaching and a milestone coach with the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Centers, Milestone Makers, Startup Founder Acceleration. That's a mouthful, Michael. You'll have to tell us what that is. <laughs> and uh, Michael's also a former adjunct faculty with Skyline College, and he's also taught within the Extended Learning Program at San Francisco State University. He holds a bachelor's in advertising from Arizona State University. So Michael, uh, explain to us what that NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center is. That's exciting. Uh-oh, he froze, he froze up a little bit on us. Let's see what's happening. Michael, are you with us? So let's see what's going on. And, and can somebody type into the chat room? You can hear me, but you don't hear Michael. That's correct, Margaret. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So I, I'm looking at Michael's screen and it looks like it's frozen. Let me send him a quick email and see what might be happening. Margaret, you're so not alone. If we could do a poll right now, I bet many, many of us have lived this just like you are. <laughs> oh, yes, it happens. It happens. And he and I have been talking during the break, so I know um, his Zoom is working, but I, I can see on his screen that it looks frozen here. So he may need to, I just sent him an email and said maybe, um, restart. I'll send him a chat room too. Excuse me for just a moment while I don't talk because I'm going to send him a chat. I'm back. You're back. Yay. Did you just good? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Good to have you. So Michael, I read, I introduced you. You there? I'm here. Good. I introduced you and I asked, could you let us know what the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center is? Because that sounds really exciting. Sure. Happy to do so. Okay. Can you can you see my screen okay, Margaret? Yeah, it looks beautiful. Okay, good. All right. Uh, first off, I just want to say thank you very much for having me here. And uh, hello, Pioneers. You know, very, very excited to be here with you today. <laughs> a welcome gift. And uh, the, uh, the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center is a startup accelerator in San Francisco. It is uh, run by NASDAQ. Uh, they happen to have an office right in downtown San Francisco and they are basically seeking to create the next NASDAQ listed company through their accelerator program. 
they focus on startup founders and in a 12-week program they provide them with coaching mentoring and training to try and help them to reach a milestone which is essentially a goal that they have during that 12-week program and uh, i'm i'm fortunate to be one of their milestone coaches and have been working with them now uh, through one cohort and i'm into my second cohort wonderful okay great okay Thank you, Margaret. Michael. i can hear you there was a little bit of a reverb there but um i think we're doing well let's okay. let's kick it up and get going with your wonderful expanding your service offerings presentation and i'm gonna do the polls for you <laughs> okay all right very good all right everybody well when i started putting this presentation together uh, I didn't know at the time how important this topic material would be uh, because, of course, I, I accepted the invitation to do this presentation uh, well before coronavirus. And uh, as I started pulling the material together, it became uh, evident to me that this is going to be um, very important information. And I just want to tell you that I take it very seriously, this uh, opportunity to give you some ideas on what you can do this year to uh, change up your business a bit. So as I came into the year, uh, I had a, a, a head full of ideas. I had a heart full of passion. Uh, I started the business back in 2008, uh, entering into the world of coaching and professional development and have been uh, very excited about it ever since. I just haven't stopped um, losing, I haven't lost any of my enthusiasm for my business since beginning. And, uh, and I was very excited about the year. I had a very good year last year and was very excited about this year. And this is what I thought I was looking at this year was uh, ever increasing revenue, that it was gonna be even better this year than it was last year. And uh, I was in planning on uh, introducing some, some new service offerings. I was going to be working uh, with a new company and a partner and uh, everything was going great guns with my center for partnership. And so I was excited. Now, how about you? How did you feel going into this year? And so we're gonna run a couple of polls in the first few sections of the presentation and this first question is, did you believe your center's revenue would be up this year? Yes, no, or wasn't sure? And so please answer the poll and know that your answers are anonymous. And so they'll be pulled together and aggregated and presented as aggregate results. It's totally anonymous. So please answer candidly. So the poll is now running. We have 36 out of 66 people have voted. It's up to 40. We want to encourage everybody to put in a vote. Yes, no, wasn't sure. And Michael, can you see the poll in progress? I can. Yeah, and I oh, get perfect. I can I I can vote too, so I voted. There you go. And of course, I voted yes, because that's what I thought going into the year is that uh, everything everything was on the up and up. Uh, if I may so interrupt, Chris Bennett has a question. Do you mean, uh, is your question, does it mean before the coronavirus, Michael? Yes, at the beginning of the year, right? Going into the 2020. How did you feel? So this is before coronavirus. I kind of have a sense of how you might feel now. <laughs> Oh, we oh we'll to get to that in a moment. Right. So the voting has slowed down. 74% of people have voted. If you're going to have a vote, let's do it in the next uh, 10 to 15 seconds, everybody, so we can move along. 
right? Because we're going we're gonna to follow it uh, right up with another poll. So since you've got your uh, your polling finger already trained and ready to go, well, we're going to do yes. another one. But don't so worry, polling you too much. Okay, so I'm going to, I'll end polling. Okay. There we go. Okay. Okay, let's let's see the results, Margaret. And share results. There we go. All right, so here we go. So we have 84% of you who did vote believe that your revenue would be up this year, and I'm right in there with you. 6% said no, and remember this is anonymous, so don't worry. And 10% wasn't sure, and that's fair. You know, you might have gone into the, you're not really sure if uh, you were going to be able to up your revenue or not. And I understand based on interviews that I had with several of you leading up to this, that uh, revenue is incredibly important because you are uh, required to sustain yourselves, that you don't, you don't get money fed to you by the academic institutions that you are associated with. You uh, have to sustain yourselves from the revenue that you bring in. So this is a really important question. Okay, so I'm going to close that. And, uh, and that's how I felt. But since uh, coronavirus started, I started feeling a little bit different. Uh, about my business. And things were starting to get a little bit shaky last month. And I wanted to see some of this. Some of the coins were falling off. And uh, and I was starting to see a little shorter stack over on the right side. You know, March was March was still okay. But April, hmm, it's been kind of challenging, I'd say. So we've got one more poll, which is now, how do you feel? How do you feel now? Next poll please okay and michael if you can hear me you looks like you may have froze again on the screen If you're talking, we cannot hear you. But the polling is going on. We might have to have Michael recall in. Okay, gee, Margaret, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm not sure what's what's happening on my side here. It, yeah, it it could be just the the yeah. internet. But can you see the poll? Okay, Michael. I can. Perfect. Okay. Okay, so please submit your vote for this poll. I think I think contract education people are always hopeful. So I love that. Not sure is is thirty two percent. There's always hope. Okay, so please, uh, uh, are you ready to present the results already, Margaret? Okay, in polling, share results. There you go. All right. So we have. 12% uh, said 
that their revenue will be up. They still believe their revenue will be up. Wow, imagine that. That's fantastic. And uh, 56% now believe that revenue will not be up this year, and 32% are not sure. And uh, that seems very realistic. That seems very realistic, given the, given the circumstances that we're currently in, is that you just might not be sure. And so what I would like to do is present to you some thoughts about what might be your next step. Because we have... We have opportunity in front of us. As Margaret said, many of you feel optimistic and positive despite the circumstances because generally in the world of professional development, I find that people in that world are optimistic, they're positive, they're growth oriented, they're uh, never say die people, they're adaptive. And so there are a lot of good, good characteristics that we have in this world. And um, we're gonna need them right now. And uh, I'm gonna share with you some ideas on what your next step might be in the time that we have here. So never okay. fear, we have some great ideas for you to think about. We're not, we're not seeing your screen, so you might need to share your, reshare your screen. Why do I? Okay, you see it? Perfect, thank you. Great. Okay. All right. So I, so I do have some ideas for you today to think about in the time that we have together. And what I'm going to ask you to do today is to really think about changing your mind and your model. Your mind and your model, those are two areas that are going to be fundamentally important to success for you this year and more important than ever. We, we would do this presentation on any given year, but this year may be more important than ever to consider changing your mind and your model about your center. Now, I know that some of you are going to give me a little bit of a look and you're going to feel like, hmm, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. And that's okay. Some of the ideas that I point out may be fairly radical and you're going to think I'm not sure about that and you're going to pull back a little bit. But I hope that you'll just consider with an open mind some of these ideas and just remain open for this time and consider, well, what if? What if we did try that? What good things could come out of that? What good positive results could come if we did that? That's all I'm asking for this time to get together. So if we can, if we can have that agreement, then I think you'll find some ideas here. So we're gonna start with mind. And as we start with mind, in the last poll, okay, so, uh, Okay, so what are you? And when I say what are you, what is your center? Are you a contract ed center? Are you a community ed center? Are you both? Or are you neither? So Michael, you are cutting out a little bit, but um, I, I'll, I'll stay unmuted and ask you to repeat something if I hear that there you get cut out. It's like your line is not uh, 
a real strong connection. Let, okay, um, Margaret, I'm going to check. I'm going to check something on my side. Hold on just a second. Okay, and the poll is going well, though. Michael, somebody said if you mute your video, it could help, or maybe call in with your phone for audio versus your computer for audio. Those are a couple of ideas. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna tr I'm gonna try one of those ideas here. Okay, thank you. Let me come back to Zoom here. So we have 48 out of 67 people have voted. And um, I don't know if anybody else wants to vote or you just don't have access because of the technology you're using right now where you don't have the poll available to you. Okay, can you, can you see the, you can still see the slides, right? You don't see my video, but you see the slides and you hear me? Exactly. Looks it, yes. Very good. Okay, so we're going to try that and see if we can improve improve the uh, presentation that way. You, you sound very clear right now. Okay, good. All right, so let let's do this. All right, so now that we've taken the poll, uh, what are the results, Margaret? Okay, I'm share results. There you go. Okay, we're a contract ed center. Uh, 33% or community ed center, 2% or both 56% or neither 8%. Okay. Now these are predictable results. The, and this was not a trick question. The, what I was getting at here is that sometimes the way you look at yourself can affect the way you present your offerings and your services that in my mind, you're, you are both, but you're actually a hub for professional development and career reinvention in your area. That that's actually what you are. And, and I believe that in your area, if you can be on the short list of every person in your area as the place for professional development and career reinvention, the future can be rosy. It can be rosy and bright because we're now in a very difficult and challenging time for many people and uh, there are people that are going to need career reinvention. And we're going to talk about that as we go forward in today's presentation, this whole idea of career reinvention and how you can play a part in that, but, but how through some of the mediums that, that I present to you. So I appreciate that. You may need to adopt a different mindset about who you are. That by having a different mindset, you can have an infinite set of possibilities regarding your reach and your revenue. How far can you reach out by having different service offerings and how high can your revenue grow by having different service offerings? I believe that this, this idea of infinite possibilities is very vital and necessary at this time. Now, some of you may be, may be familiar with Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek wrote the book, Start With Why. He has a very popular TED talk he has a large global following. 
and uh, he's being turned to during these times for his counsel and his thoughts. And here's something that I gleaned from one of his recent YouTube videos that I thought was very interesting and applicable to where we are today. He said, companies with the infinite mindset, this is when I say change your mind, I, it, rather than thinking that this is going to be a finite year, we're going to be in a down year, consider this might actually be a catalyst for an up year, for a transformative year that could actually set the stage for years of growth ahead. That's the infinite mindset. And companies with that mindset are going to say, how are we going to change to get through this? Instead of saying, how are we going to get through this? There's a difference. There's a difference in those two statements. And I want you to really think about the difference and adopt that first statement and the idea of the, of the infinite mindset, because I think it will make a very big difference for you in how you approach this year and this material. Now, you might be scratching your head right now and wondering, well, how are you going to change? How will you change? We will be talking about that. But also, just as important is this group. How will they change? Because we now have over 20 million unemployed people in the United States that have filed for employment. Some of those people will be able to get their jobs back after the coronavirus largely passes. And I say largely passes because we could be confronting this crisis at some level throughout the rest of this year. And people will need to change in response. We have gone through periods like this before. 2008, 2009 was the last time. And that was a time when I decided that I would like to change. That was the year that I left my corporate job, which was a great job with upward mobility, great benefits, a good salary, good team that I was working with and plenty of challenge, but I wanted a change. And that was the year that I started my coaching business. Now, some of you might say, gee, that was pretty bad timing. That was right during the mother of all recessions. And looking back, it probably wasn't the best timing, that's for sure. However, sometimes starting a business or going through transformation in difficult times causes us to be more innovative, to think bigger and bolder, to lean towards breakthrough solutions. And so people are thinking that now, that they might need to change, they might need to reinvent. So I believe that uh, where we are in the space of helping people to develop professionally and to reinvent themselves for brighter days ahead uh, means that we're in a crucial area, crucial area in our communities providing an essential service. We just might need to provide it differently. And so that takes us from mind to model, that your model may, may need to update. And really, I shouldn't even say may need to update. Your model needs to update. I mean, let's, let's be frank. And it's going to need to update in a variety of different ways. And so I want to present to you some different ideas for how you might update your model and bring it into more of a 21st century model that is now needing to be accelerated. Obviously, we need to stop flirting with e-learning. That e-learning is something that uh, we, have, we have played around with a little while. If you're anything like me, you thrive on in-person, the in-person experience. 
I mean, this is what I anticipated today, not having any technology issues, but being with you on stage and looking out at you in the audience and simply using a microphone and a computer to present the PowerPoint slides. And here we are making the most of what we have in front of us. You know, Teddy Roosevelt famously said, do what you can with what you have where you are. And that's what I think is so important for us to think about now. E-learning is something that you've thought about in the past, but now you can't just think about it. You have to embrace it because the shift is on. The shift is on. I was watching this video on Yahoo's website and there was this gentleman on there who was being interviewed who is the CEO of a company called Coursera. And his name is Jeff. His last name, it looks like Majian Kalda. He's the CEO of Coursera and he was talking about how online learning is changing rapidly and irreversibly. They've been getting a lot of requests from academic institutions to help them to embrace the online learning environment and to use some of Coursera's experience because Coursera specializes in working with institutions of higher learning. And so Jeff was saying that they're getting a ton of requests from universities all around the country and possibly around the world to help them in, in this challenging time. Now, I like what he's saying here in the sense that it was already happening, the move towards online education, and now it's accelerating. And he's saying that when people go back to school, it's never going to be the same. Things are not going to go back to the way they were. We, we are pretty clear about that, that it's going to be a new normal, not back to normal. And so as we think about this, that the shift is on and we need to make this change, we have to think about some crucial elements that have to fall into place. And one of those are our instructors. Are they ready? In this same article, there was a, uh, a link to a research study that was done by this Bayview Analytics company. And what they found through their research is that 70% of the 1.5 million faculty members in the US had never taught. They'd never taught virtually prior to the pandemic. Now, one part of my bio is that I taught a night class at Skyline College in San Bruno, California for five years. I taught introduction to business as a faculty member and I kind of backed into the job. I was doing some um, entrepreneurship education in Hunter's Point in San Francisco in the Bayview district, uh, which is obviously an economic challenged area. And uh, the classes that I was running there was to help people to kind of bootstrap and start up a small business in their community that could create a new start for them and potentially uh, turn into a, a, a real worthwhile living. While I was teaching those classes, I met the Dean of the business school. He happened to visit one day. And as we got to talking, he said, have you thought about teaching at a community college? And I, frankly, I hadn't. And uh, he said, we'd like to have someone with your business experience uh, teaching alongside our faculty. And so I kind of backed into it that way. And I started co-teaching with a woman who ended up becoming the dean of the business school. She and I co-taught that business class for about a year, year and a half. Then she became the dean. And then I taught with a couple other instructors after that. And what I can tell you is during that five years that I taught at Skyline, I never taught an online class. They had online classes and my class was actually taught as an online class by someone else, but most of the classes were done in person. And many of my fellow faculty members only taught in person. And so I know that you probably have instructors at your centers 
who have not taught classes online. I'm fortunate in that I'm starting to get the hang of this online environment. Uh, this is actually something like my 63rd or 64th webinar since October. With the Center for Executive Coaching, I teach three webinars a week. And so I've been getting a lot of experience doing this online teaching thing, and it's really helping because I'm having to update my model as well. And so are your instructors ready? I would now suggest that you ask your instructors to figure out how to teach their class online if you haven't already. I know that some of you already have, and you're already well underway on this. And yet some of you are still thinking about it. This could be a time to ask your instructors, we want to teach your class online. Get it ready. Figure it out. How is it going to happen? But you might be thinking, the experience, maybe the experience won't be as good, though. And it's true that technology can sometimes affect the experience, as we, as we found earlier today. However, when the technology works, and when the person teaching the class is embracing the medium, it can work, and it can work well. That there is this person, Marcus, Marcus Sheridan. He's an, uh, a marketing expert. He's a keynote speaker that teaches, teaches in person around the country. Now he's teaching online. And he recently did this presentation, and he got this feedback. You can see the quote on the slide. What we can find in teaching online is that through the technology, we may be able to actually engage our participants as much, if not more, through polling through breakout rooms, by sharing video, we can engage our participants to interact with our material differently than they have previously, and that might actually have a greater impact. And so the experience might not necessarily be a compromise. But of course you're thinking, it's a lot of work. This is going to be a lot of work. Now, I just want to pause for a moment and just make sure, Margaret, is everything okay? Could you just type into the chat and let me know that everything is working out okay? So I'm not seeing anything in the chat and I'm not hearing anything, but I'm assuming that we're, we're okay on a good track right now. Okay, great. All right, thanks, Margaret. Just needed to know that. All right, so, so you might be thinking, gosh, this is going to be a lot of work. Absolutely, it is going to be a lot of work. Now, recently, what's been happening out of this challenging time is innovation innovation, breakthrough thinking, new solutions. Necessity is the mother of invention. Ford recently had to retool and start making protective face shields. They embraced it and just went after it. And in just two and a half weeks, they made 2.4 million protective face shields. There's a man named Jeff Sturgis who was hired by Ford pre-coronavirus to start thinking about making changes at Ford. Thankfully, they already had Jeff on board and he was prepared for the coronavirus and what would need to happen. And so he owned this project. And this is, this is his quote. Right now, there's no time for ego or BS. The silos have to fall and they've got to fall catastrophically fast. We have to change so quickly so quickly and so fast that we could probably surprise ourselves how quickly we could retool and update our model. 
this is vital that we be adaptive and ready for change. When we need to, we can change real fast. I want to give you just a little example. So yesterday, I was doing an online coaching session on the other side of the room. And while I was meeting with my client online and, uh, and talking back and forth, my wife walked into the room and she seemed flustered. She seemed flustered. She seemed upset. I mean, I could, I could feel the energy, this, this, this kind of flustered energy exuding from her, but I couldn't really pay attention because I was in a video coaching session. And it's very important that video coaching sessions uh, remain confidential. And so I was a little concerned that my wife was, had walked in, and I, but I couldn't say anything. I couldn't stop it. And so I, I just let her do her thing. She kind of went into the bathroom, came out a few minutes later, was mumbling under her breath, and then walked out of the room. And I had to just pause and not say anything and just stay in, stay in my coaching session. I was hoping that my coachee didn't notice that there was someone else in the room and, it didn't, and she didn't seem to. So later in the day, I asked my wife, what, what was going on during that time when you walked in? You seemed so upset. She said, my boss told me that the meeting that was coming up at the top of the hour that was just 10 minutes away was going to be a video meeting. Well, my wife wasn't prepared for it to be a video meeting. And for the ladies on the phone, I think you know what that means. In 10 minutes, she had to get ready for a video meeting. And so she was able to do what she normally does in about 30 minutes and sometimes even an hour real fast. And then she was surprised to find that the guys on the call didn't change at all. They look like, she said, they look like they just rolled out of bed. Isn't that interesting? The way we're approaching these video conferencing meetings. So she proved that when you need to, you can change real fast. And I think you can do the same, that you can change faster than you think, because Ford certainly changed real fast. And a lot of companies are doing the same all around the country. But it's not just in-person online. And what I mean by in-person online is live, right? Right now, we're live together. I want you to consider on-demand possibilities too. Now, I know from conversations with some of you that you have a partner. You have a partner that provides on-demand learning for you. Here's my challenge to you. Create your own. Create your own on-demand classes. Don't just rely on a partner because I believe that you know better what's needed in your community. You are in touch with the pulse of your community. What types of work is available? What types of new jobs are being created? What types of new industries are sprouting up around you? In some cases, it's the cannabis industry. As we found in some parts of California, the cannabis industry is coming on pretty strong. And some of you are already meeting that demand by offering certain classes. Now, what's nice about the on-demand equation is that on-demand provides the opportunity for passive revenue. You have tight staffs. What I found is on, uh, of the people that I interviewed, staff, staff were limited to about three people, three people on average. That's a small team. That's a small team to be doing a lot of innovation. I understand that. It's going to be challenging and it's going to be probably one thing at a time. You're not going to be able to retool your whole model all at once. But I really want you to consider this on-demand possibility because passive revenue is a beautiful thing in a professional development business. And I'll present to you another passive revenue uh, idea here in just a little bit, but I do want you to think about this on-demand possibility. So I was reading through Success Magazine, the latest issue, May, June, 
and there's an article on creating your online course. Probably not a coincidence. And it said that companies are now delivering more training to employees through online courses than live workshops. That's a very important statistic. And it's something that we really have to think about when it comes to on-demand education and whether we should be offering that or not. The statistics are suggesting to us that we probably want to. And here's something else that's very interesting that I think leads to growth and on-demand. Gallup, the polling organization, has been polling people throughout the pandemic. And what we find is three in five U.S. workers who have been working from home during this situation would like to stay at home even after the shelter in place is lifted. Now, what does that mean? And what does that have in connection with on-demand? This is the connection that I'm making. In open workplace environments, it's difficult to do on-demand learning. It's difficult to do live online learning because it's noisy, it's busy. But if we're working from home, like you see this gentleman in the picture relaxed on the couch with his laptop, we can do more online learning in the confines and the privacy of our home during the day. And so I think the opportunity for online learning is only going to increase as people are gradually returning to their offices and finding more opportunity for privacy. But there's another possibility, and that's VR. VR, virtual reality, is a growing market and a new opportunity to add to your training list. I'm not sure if some of you are offering VR, VR training now. Would you please type into the chat if you're offering VR training at your center? In this picture is a woman named Nelda. She's wearing a virtual reality headset made by Oculus. Oculus is a division of Facebook. Okay, a few people are typing into the chat. Uh, looking into this, not yet, but definitely interested. No, 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 no. Okay, so no one is offering it now that I can see, but it's a growing market. So Nelda runs this company called Mind Glow Labs, and she offers virtual reality active shooter training. Obviously, this is uh, very dramatic types of training. What she found is that many active shooter trainings were too dramatic, too intense, and sometimes the dramatic was leading to traumatic. And so she found a way to scale down the intensity of the environment and yet maintaining enough realism so that people could get trained and start to develop the responsiveness that would shift into reality should they find themselves in such a situation. And that's where virtual reality training can really make a difference versus regular types of training because they're in that virtual environment and the virtual environment is forcing them to make decisions that then stay in their minds and something like their muscle memory. And so she finds that active shooter training provided in a virtual reality environment can be more effective than other types of active shooter training. Nelda is here in the Bay Area. I met her through going through the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center's Milestone Maker program. She was my coachee in the last cohort. And she's actually, now one person typed in, not yet due to cost. 
Now, Nelda's company specializes in working with small, medium, and large organizations. She talked to a credit union in Burlingame, which just has two branches and one in a hospital. Not a big organization. She can offer virtual reality training at a fairly small scale, but of course, it's also being offered at large scale. Companies like Walmart, Porsche, Boeing, and Best Buy are all using virtual reality training now. For example, Best Buy wanted to train as many of their staff as possible, but they couldn't afford to fly them all out to a single place, house them in hotels, and pull them out of the stores. That would be a real big revenue hit. So what they did is they created a virtual reality area and brought people into that area online and trained them. And they found that it was compelling, exciting, and new. And, and the employees really liked it. They liked it as much as flying out somewhere and sitting in a big room being lectured to. And so it worked just as well and saved Best Buy a significant amount of money and kept people in the store and they plan to use it more. Walmart has been using virtual reality to train managers for a while now and finding it to be very effective. Boeing and Porsche obviously use it for manufacturing. So these training types are here now and it's just something that I want you to consider. Remember, I just want you to be open to changing your model this year. But what else? I love assessments. When I first started my business in 2008, I met a coach, Tim, in St. Louis, who was using DISC assessments. And Tim trained me on how to use DISC assessments and set me up with an account so I could start using them on my own without a big capital investment because I didn't have a lot of money when I started up the business. And so I started using DISC assessments in 2009 and have been using them ever since and have steadily added other suites of assessments. What I really like about assessments is what you see in this image here. So you see the lady initially questioning like, what is this assessment for? Why do I have to take this assessment? And what's the point? When she sees the results, the wheels start turning and she starts to realize, hmm, this is interesting. It's starting to affirm some of the things that I know about myself. It's starting to present new ideas of adaptation that I hadn't thought about before and solutions to challenges that I've been facing. So then the light bulb turns on and then next after that is the aha moment where she realizes, oh yes, now I know why I've been having issues with that one coworker. Or now I know how we can get our team to work better together. Or now I understand why I have issues sometimes directing and delegating. It's wonderful to see people go through this spectrum when they encounter the results of their assessment. I want to share with you a couple of looks at some assessments that I use. I have assessments that help managers get better. This is some example pages from the DISC management profile. On the left is one of my favorite pages in the assessment where the manager that I'm working through the results with gets to see what their personality type is and based on their workplace personality type, what do they enjoy about managing? What do they like? And they read through that list and they generally check off and say, yep, these are all the things that energize me as a manager. Sometimes they say no to one or two things because they've changed. They're not exactly like the type that's being outlined in the results. And then we look through the second list. What drains your energy as a manager? Same thing. 
They acknowledge many of them. Sometimes they say, no, I've grown beyond that. I don't have that challenge anymore. Because sometimes people have been in their careers for a while and they know what their challenges are, what drains them. And so they might disagree with some of the results. But most of the time, people are fascinated by the results and they find them to be very enlightening. And then another page is directing and delegating, which is also a good page because many managers that I work with have challenges in delegation. They need to improve in delegation. And so they can grow by looking at this page and reading the ideas. This report is over 20 pages and you leave it with the person after they've taken the assessment and they oftentimes refer back to it over and over again because there's so much deep learning there that can happen over time. You can only, only change a little at a time and apply some of what you learn here. And so you can continue to learn and grow with this report. I also have assessments that help teams to get better. This is a look at the five behaviors of a cohesive team. This assessment is based on the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni, who's based here in the Bay Area. He wrote the book about a mythical tech company that was on the coast and they were having challenges. And those challenges revolved around the five dysfunctions. This assessment created by Wiley, which is a company that I work with, flipped the dysfunctions into positive behaviors. And so you take a group through the assessment and then you facilitate a retreat where they work through the results of the assessment that are aggregated in an anonymous fashion, just like our polls today. And they get to see what are the areas that they need to work on so that they can improve as a team. This assessment is very much appreciated by teams who take it. There's lots of great feedback. The retreat material is deep and rich with lots of exercises, lots of opportunities for teams to be candid with each other and really have a breakthrough during this time together. There's also a personal development profile based on this five behaviors model so that individuals can take it if the team is not interested. And so individuals or teams can grow through this assessment. And here's another one. This one is now really good timing, I think. And it's how to develop emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is considered by the World Economic Forum to be one of the top 10 skills necessary to thrive in this decade. And boy, are we seeing that now. Emotional intelligence is needed now to be resilient and to manage our emotions in difficult times and to also manage the emotions of those around us. Sometimes we're finding that we're positive and people around us are not feeling so positive and vice versa. Resilience is necessary. Emotional intelligence and resilience are interconnected. So this assessment, which is also based on DISC, is provided by Wiley, which is the company that I work with for the DISC and the five behaviors assessments. Oh, I, okay, I had a question from Charlie. Let me answer that before I, before I continue on with this one. Charlie is asking, uh, the team model is based on the five dysfunctions of a team. That was a book written by Patrick Lencioni over 10 years ago. And his consulting company is called The Table Group. So I hope that answers your question, Charlie. So this DISC assessment on Agile EQ is helping people to understand their workplace personality type and how that might lend itself to emotional intelligence and being agile because we need to be agile in the workplace. Now we need to be agile at home. And so this is a very colorful and instructive assessment. And I'm just sharing a couple of sample pages with you. I really like the page on the right that gives us strengths are with emotional intelligence, what your needs are, and how your style 
others. I hope you can see that assessments like these can be really interesting to people and they don't need to be that, ex that expensive. These, these assessments for individuals are between one and $200 in most cases, and some are actually even less than $100. So we're not talking big money here for people to take assessments. So Chris says, we already embed assessments in many of our face-to-face -face trainings. Can Michael say more about what's different in the virtual world? Yeah, what would be different in the virtual world is that these assessments can be, uh, can be presented uh, online through trainings, that every one of these assessments that Wiley provides is also paired with a training program that can be presented in a modular format online with interactive exercises to help individuals better understand themselves, the people they work with, so that they can get better results in the workplace. And so we would take these online, uh, Chris, in a uh, virtual facilitation. Or you can work with a single individual and take them through the results of sharing your screen. That's what I typically do with people when they're remote, is I share the screen and take them through. The, uh, the costs, Rosemary, can be as low as $75 to as high as a few hundred dollars uh, for different assessments. Now, there is an investment to purchase facilitation materials and to set up sub-accounts, but honestly, they're more modest than you might think. I've made tens of thousands of dollars over the years off of using assessments in my business. They work in a variety of situations with salespeople, staff, teams, leaders, managers, new hires. There's an assessment for just about any kind of situation and I'd like you to just be open to the idea of increasing passive revenue with assessments. The effort is all up front and then once you have an assessment ready to go up and running, there's a not a lot of effort required to run assessments. For example, ETP, ETP is a lot more labor intensive program than running assessments. You wouldn't need to dedicate an individual uh, and a lot of time to running assessments and making that passive income. Then there's coaching. Of course, this is a big area for me that's very exciting because I've been coaching for a long time. Oh, let me, before I go into coaching, I'll answer this question that Karen, Karen posted about, uh, how do you find clients for running assessments? Who pays for them? Uh, good question. So typically in a contract ed situation, the company uh, partnering with you would pay for the assessments as part of a program either uh, if they are assessing new hires for, uh, for hiring, they would just pay you per assessment and issue that within the company. If they're issuing assessments as part of a, a staff development program, they would pay you to issue the assessment and then take the individual through the results and then recommend either training or coaching or both. If an individual simply wants to retool themselves to understand, for example, let's say an individual wants to now become a salesperson. They find themselves out of work in their old field and they find that sales jobs are available and they'd like to improve in sales as a new salesperson, you could issue the sales assessment from DISC and then run them through the results. And in that case, the individual would pay for the assessment. So there's a variety of use cases for assessments and who pays for them de depends on the use case. So coaching pairs well with training. I do training and coaching. And uh, what I love is when an organization wants both because we can then enhance what was learned in the training through coaching. And people that are struggling with certain aspects of the training and application can then get coaching to apply and learn. Absolutely. What coaching is great at doing is working remotely. 
even before coronavirus, I had a lot of clients that, that I was coaching remotely over the phone or over Zoom. It just depends on what, they, what they're open to. I have clients in New York City, in Los Angeles, uh, in North Carolina, you know, all over the country that I'm coaching remotely. And it can also provide passive revenue. Now, what I mean by that is you wouldn't do the coaching. You would have a third-party coach do the coaching and provide a revenue share so that they're doing the coaching and you're getting paid just like you do with the training and on-demand training, assessments, coaching. When you start to put these different things together, you can see how things can really start to open up and increase revenue. Charlie says, yes, my eyes were open as I'm hosting two LGBTQ trainings on Canvas, self-timed, and they're going great. Yeah, great comment, Charlie. Now, you might be wondering, can we really do training, coaching, and assessments? I mean, is there, is it, that seems like a, a pretty pretty advanced model. Could this really work? Well, yes, it can. So this is a, this is a screenshot of website provided by the San Mateo Community College District's Corporate Training Solution Center. That's run by Jonathan Bissell. Jonathan and I met last year, and I like Jonathan a lot. He's a brilliant man with innovative thinking, and he's decided that he wants to offer more than he wants to offer assessments. He wants to offer coaching. He wants to do it all. And he has encountered clients who want it all. Before coronavirus, he was working with a client here in the Bay Area who was not interested in training, but also asked about coaching and assessments. And so he's seen this in reality with organizations looking for this. And I have seen this for over 10 years. And so when you look at yourselves as a hub for professional development and career reinvention, why wouldn't you wanna offer a more robust model than just training. I would suggest that you could model the type of business that I run and figure out how you can also offer assessments, slow and steady, right? Maybe one suite of assessments to start and then another set and another set as you get versed on different assessments and work with just one or two coaches to begin with, but eventually you might work with a stable of coaches who can specialize in different types of situations, working with managers, working with salespeople, working with leaders, working in retail, coaching people who are starting up companies, coaching people who need to innovate and change their model because their companies have grown stagnant. You know, many coaches specialize in different types of training. I mean, different types of coaching, strategic planning. So Jonathan has put together an excellent model that is similar to what I do in my business out of Burlingame, California, and what I'm suggesting that you consider. Now, what's it going to take? It's going to take some strategic planning, and obviously now is the time. We find ourselves with a little more time on our hands for planning than we normally get to enjoy. And so let's put that, put that time to good use and get an idea into place soon. Think about one thing that you could change with your model and try and adapt it and adopt it as quickly as possible. Now, if you need help, if you need to meet coaches who might be able to join your team on a contract basis, if you'd like to meet the person who runs the virtual reality company that I told you about, Nelda, if you would like to learn more about some of the assessments, I'm more than happy to field calls with you after this presentation, we'll just schedule them out no charge. I'm not trying to pitch my services and sell anything. I'm offering you free assistance to consider changing your model 
in introducing you to people who might be able to help you change your model so that you could embrace this material and be on that side of the pole that said that actually you think your revenue could be up this year because you really can do this. Infinite mindset, infinite possibilities. Thank you very much. And so we have a few minutes left. I'd be happy to uh, take any questions that might come up because I know we've gone through a lot of material in a short amount of time. So if you have any questions now, please uh, post them in the chat and I'd be happy to answer them until it's time for your lunch break. Okay. Michael, what an amazing presentation and um, very, very timely. So on behalf of the TAP, I definitely want to say thank you. Um, a lot of things to consider uh, with coaching and assessments and marrying that with training to help our businesses in whatever region we might be servicing. So thank you. You're so you're welcome. You're doing a fantastic job reading the chat. Um, the first question I see is from Karen. It sounds like you subcontract the assessment. Who do you use? What is the startup cost for virtual uh, reality training? Okay, um, so I, I can see Karen on the screen there. Thanks, Karen. Uh, so this, the second question, Karen, I can't actually tell you what the startup cost for VR training is. I'd be happy to introduce you to Nelda and Nelda would be able to answer that question. But based on the time that I spent with her, I know that she, she was looking at uh, doing training for companies for as little as about three to $5,000 for her, her active shooter training. And then it would scale up from there. Now, uh, in terms of subcontracting the assessment, so I use Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. Wiley provides my DISC assessment, five behaviors of a cohesive team, and my PXT select assessments that I use for hiring purposes and for leadership development. I also work with Genos International, and uh, I'll, type, I'll type Genos into, into the chat here. Genos International is out of Australia and they offer emotional intelligence assessments. So I showed you the emotional intelligence assessment that Wiley recently developed. Genos also has another one that they developed, which has been uh, supported and approved by Jeffrey Goldman. Uh, I'm sorry, Daniel Goldman, who is considered to be the father of emotional intelligence. And so I use those as well. Okay, and then uh, Bill asked for my contact info. You have it. And it's also on your screen there on this last slide. You see my yes. email address there at the bottom. Perfect. Does anybody else have any questions for Michael? Okay, looking forward to hearing from you, um, uh, those people that are saying, do you like to talk with me? Uh, so Rosemary asked, which one is approved by Goldman? It's the, uh, the Genos. The Genos ones, Rosemary, are approved by Daniel Goldman. Uh, Genos is a top 20... Uh, training training provider globally, and not just for emotional intelligence, but for training in general. So Genos is a wonderful company based in Australia that operates globally. All right. I, you know, Michael, so um, I'm looking at some of the um, chat room people saying it's thought provoking and it's just very timely and you know, I think Faith and I started working with you probably last October, maybe November. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, not knowing that our lives were going to be the way they are right now. And I, I just love the synchronicity of everything and um, just wonderful. So um, 
Uh, Charlie Monahan said, what is the active shooter module? I Do you want to share that with him? Yes, I uh, typed that in. Uh, okay. Mind, Mind Glow Labs is the, uh, the name of the company. Okay. And then, Layla, the quote you started with, are you talking to Michael or are you talking about the poem I read? Um, yeah, okay. Well, I'm, everybody's saying thank you, so. Um, Margaret, this is Layla. I was just asking Michael to repeat that wonderful quote. I got part of it down, the one from Simon Sinek. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, what, what can we change? How can we change to get through this? As opposed to how can we get through this, right? It's important to add in, how can we change to get through this? Yeah. Well, thank you, Michael, very much. Um, I feel like you could be a member of our team here, our colleagues, you have such great ideas and, and thank you for sharing them so um, generously with everybody. And uh, we wish you well, you and your family. And I think we'll, we'll, we're gonna take our one hour break now for lunch. Um, and I don't know what I was gonna say is if people wanna continue to talk and bring their lunch back to their desks and talk, I'm going to stop the recording, but I will um, record it. Okay, so we're now being recorded. That's one thing that's important to me is to make sure for people who could not be on the uh, summit call today that they can hear the different presentations. So. Okay. The only uh, bad thing about exercise at noon is when you sit down one of these, I can't wear my glasses, they keep fogging up. <laughs> oh. Oh. There, there was a there was an entire column in the wall street in the wall street journal in the new york times today about how to keep your glasses from fogging up when you're wearing a mask and i like oh i gotta read this that's such an oh, issue i think it's critical i actually took my glasses off and then i lost them because i had them in my pocket because i they were fogging up and i was yeah. it was fortunate yeah. to for somebody to pick them up <laughs> and we, yeah well you've faced it now well there's a lot of good tips new york times today you'll have to look it up